You're listening to the Spawn on Me podcast with your host, the captain, Khalif Adams, the Baron of Bourbon, Cicero Holmes, and the man who makes everything look good, Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. Welcome to Chicago, y'all. What's good? What's good? This is the Spawn on Me podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. What is the deal, everybody? I hope you're all doing well. This is a wonderful, wonderful day. We have a fantastic guest that I'm going to get to in one second. But for now, I got to give everybody a huge shout out here at home, here in all of the internet lands, in X-Ray land, podcast land. I want to give you all a beautiful shout out for coming through and checking us out this week and every week. We had a fantastic show last week. We talked a lot about all the video games that we've been playing and all the other stuff that we've been digging into for the summer. Because, you know, the summer is a little bit low in terms of game stuff that goes on. But it's always fun to be able to kind of come back and talk about all the stuff that we've been playing through and digging through in our catalog of uh, catalog and pile of shame, as they say, uh, when it comes to things that we've been playing. So, again, thank you for rolling through this week and every week uh, and hanging out with us at Spawn on Me. Mad love to everybody back home in New York hanging out at the Fortnite World Cup. That is a crazy event. We're going to talk a little bit about that later in the show if we have time for it. But this week, I am super excited to rock with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, that cat from Able Gamers, the folks that we love. It is my man, Greg Haynes. How are you doing, sir? How's Dude, man, this is crazy, man. I've been waiting so long to be on this show. I'm out, listen, I'm out here saying excited, listening to you talk. I'm like, oh, I get to be on the other side of things. I'm so <laughs> hyped, man. Um, at the same time, also like, now I finally get to ruin your show from the inside, so it's gonna be good. Oh gonna be oh. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do some some magic here man we're gonna make it happen I, all, I all them jokes the about about <laughs> things that you know you know about those things you know about those things like that wax sport you love playing on the ice things like that all them jokes about oh. my beloved fruits and vegetables and my food preferences all of that's gonna come out man you're gonna get vengeance today, today. i mean well that's the that's the thing though is like it's all those small things that make up our friendship and our relationship over the past couple of years. Um, it looks like I, it looks like I got you settled on that on that other side. They say there was some some issues with the chat. A little bit of um, echoing. So a little good. Bit of, I got you. I fixed it. I, good. I made it work. I, I got it working. You the master, um, man. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, but no, those are the beautiful parts about you know me me figuring out and finding you on the internet. And it's beautiful because it's like that's what the internet is so dope, right? It's right. like. You get the chance to meet people who you have never have met right. because we all have this love of video games and we all have this want to be able to learn more from each other and all that good stuff. Definitely. Um, definitely. We have an interesting story in terms of our origin story of our friendship. Yep. I remember seeing the work that you were doing <laughs> with the folks over at the BGB, which was, again, like one of my favorite podcasts on the planet. It was <laughs> amazingly dope. I was super <laughs> sad to see it, see it kind of take a long hiatus. Uh, but it was one of those things that when I was paying attention to what we were doing here at Spawn on Me, it was one of the things that I was like, these cats over here have something very, very special. And I <laughs> love the fact that it was three cats who, you know, had that New York flavor that I love and miss uh, being able to get together, you know, on a weekly show and talk about video games and talk about all the things that they love. Um, I want to give the folks at home a little chance to hear from you about your background and how you've come into the gaming industry and come into this space. So, so I'll give you the floor, man. That's a, wow. That's a long story. First of all, let me, let me, let me just say thank you for that, man. Like, cause I mean, we did a podcast, the BGB, the better gaming bureau with my guys, uh, deep voice and uh big train, you guys out there. Uh, what up, what up? Um, and we did a podcast called get coins to die trying. Um, we did it for, I mean, maybe three, four years, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe even five. Uh, and it was just one of the best experiences of my entire life. Um, you know, we had to, you know, for me personally, I had to pursue other things career wise. I had to do other things that kind of like nip that podcast in the bud. But, uh, you know, it's the, the hiatus is, 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 is current, but you never know. You never know. I'm not going to close the door on that feature, man. But, you know, for me personally, as you said, man, I'm born and raised in New York City. I'm always repping the set in that respect. Anybody who knows me is always hearing me talk talk mad stuff about New York City. Probably like, man, Hazy, Greg, you need to be quiet about all this all this New York talk. Nobody cares about New York City. But, uh, I mean, you know you know how it is, man. People hate on New York City if you're not from New York City. Uh, so, you know, I, I spent some time in New York, uh, you know, working in, in psychology, right? So, I have a background in psychology. Uh, went to Fordham University. Um, graduated from there, right in New York City. Um, worked uh, at the New York State Psychiatric Institute for a while. 
um, uh, and the Libra Center for Schizophrenia. So I worked with like schizophrenia subjects, patients um, for approximately six years. Um, so it was a, a real, real long experience. And that ties into to, to my work with Able Gamers because it was actually my content creation side and my, you know, uh, background of research and psychology that fused together to give me the opportunity uh, to work at Able Gamers as the lead games user research researcher. So, uh, you know, it's 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 a weird, weird story about how that came about. Even like like you said, like us meeting, like we met through, I think, Deep Boyce, who was doing it. He was, he was streaming on Twitch at the time. Um, and uh, we met through him. And then that that was probably about four or five years ago uh, in and of itself. But uh, similarly, you know, in, in uh, finding that job at Able Gamers, I was going to conventions. I was going to shows for years. Uh, and uh, in 2017, I went to PSX. And, uh, you know, I had already left um, the previous job I was at because I just kind of wanted to find something that allowed me to work directly with people and allowed me to help people uh, in a way that felt organic to my background. Right. Like if you're studying psychology, you're you're kind of a people person. You want to work with people. You want to really get to understand people and work with people. So uh, at PSX, you know, I'm walking around. Actually, I was coming back from from hanging with you, ironically. Um, we were, we were talking and you made me late for another appointment. Just, just going to put that out there. So that's wow. your fault. Uh, but I'm gonna thank you. Cause I got a job out of it. So thank you also. Um, <laughs> I was late and I needed to use the bathroom and I was like, man, I need to find a bathroom. But this, this convention hall is so big. I don't know where bathrooms are. So, you know, I see this booth over to my right and two dudes standing over there, just, you know, lollygagging, not doing nothing. Yeah. I'm blowing up the spot. <laughs> Craig and Mark. Uh, <laughs> so I go up to them and I'm like, yo, y'all know what the bathroom is? Like in the most disrespectful, like New York way possible. I'm not like, hello, sirs. Hello, kind sirs. Can you point me in the direction of the laboratory? I'm like, yo, y'all know what a bathroom is? I got to pee. You know, I'm like super, super, super like aggressive about it. And they're like, uh, do you want to know about Able Gamers? And I'm like, yes. After I use the bathroom. So... <laughs> So that was, <laughs> so they, they poured out where the bathroom is, they poured me in the right direction. Okay. They poured me in the right direction, man. And uh, I go to the bathroom and I come back and then, and they're all surprised because apparently they didn't think I was going to come back. So, uh, you know, they introduced themselves. It was uh, Mark Barlay, the founder of Able Gamers and Craig Kaufman, uh, the program director and community specialist at Able Gamers. And, uh, you know, they're, you know, telling me about the whole thing. And I'm like, yo, this is dope. And I'm, I'm telling them about my, my background and just... How I wanted to find an organization that really was working with people and, and helping people, people with disabilities, you know, uh, really find a, a place in, in, a, in a community where they can, you know, experience the things that I love, which is video games. And, you know, uh, Mark says to me, he's like, oh, cool. You like the mission? Well, hop right back in the booth and uh, let's, let's get to work. And I was like, OK, <laughs> I was like, people want to invite me to, to work in their booth. I'm like, cool. And, you know, from there on, like. You know, I was working in the booth. I was hanging with them. Uh, you know, Mark invited me to dinner, which I was like, oh, my God, food is the key to my heart. So I was like, yo, this is dope. We had dinner. We had Indian food. Uh, you know, I knew this was meant to be because I had Indian food, bro. And like, I was like, damn, they wanted me to work at the booth the next day at like nine in the morning. And I was saying to myself, like, damn, I just had Indian food. That might be a problem for me because, you know, the bathroom <laughs> be calling at 9 a.m. sometimes. Like, that might that's prime. That's prime, you know, get rid of, you know, yesterday's troublemaker time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so the next day I went to the booth, man, and like I was good, bro. I didn't have no upsets the whole day. I was like, damn, it's meant to be, man. I was like, yo, praise be to the Hindu gods. They kept me settled down there. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, damn, I feel great. I feel fantastic. And, you know, uh... from there on, you know, I, they offered me a job. Um, they, uh, they told me I had to move down to West Virginia. Which, whew, that was that was tough. That was tough. That was tough to hear and tough to, to do. You um, were the first. You were the first vault dweller in '76. Uh, at that point, <laughs> you you're the first one coming out of the vault. Like, yo, <laughs> yo, it's no joke down here. What's going on? <laughs> I mean, to say that, I mean, it kind of feels like that sometimes out here, man. Because you know, it'd be it'd be a little bit barren, man. Like, I'm not gonna front, like. I got to the point I've developed the habit of just like talking to myself all the time because I got like no company. So I'm just like, I'm just like, hey, Greg, uh, you interested in some cereal? I'm like, how'd you know? You know, it's like I'm just <laughs> I'm out here just having conversations with myself, man, trying to keep myself, you know, unlonely. But no, nah, it's cool out here, man. It's quiet. It ain't home. You know what I'm saying? It's not New York City. But, uh, you know, it's cool, man. It's, it's cool. 
And uh, yo, yeah. moving out here, everybody did their their best to make me feel at home. You know what I mean? So uh, I appreciate that. That's uh, dope. See, that that's the thing I love is is hearing stories of folks who have been really excited about being in the industry and kind of yeah. learning their way around it. And it kind of just talks about, you know, a little bit towards the ability for you to be grinding as hard as you have been for a very long time um, with the background that you have to see how, you know, the conversations about people getting into the gaming industry has always been around. You yeah, have to be a coder. Sure. You have to be a designer. You have to be, you know, this, this and that. When yeah, it, there it, are so it, many it depends angles on what you're trying to get, to get into, in. though. Right. Like, it depends on what you're trying to do. Right. Like. You know, for me personally, like I couldn't have imagined like in all my time, like podcasting and, and going out to shows that I would go up to somebody and they would offer me a job based on my, my previous experience. But, uh, you know, to anybody who's trying to follow that track, like I would I would say the same thing that you told me, because, you know, one thing that, that y'all might not understand by the, the friendship that me and Kai have is like Kai in a lot of ways has been like a big brother uh, to, to me and the guys over at, at Get Coins to Die Trying and the BGB. Where like we followed your example with a lot of what you were doing because we watched Spawn on Me for a long time. And, uh, you know, you going out to shows and stuff like that, you going out to these conventions. That's what got me on that on that trip. Right. Like I was like, I got to get out there. I got to start meeting people. I got to start talking with people. Um, and then one thing you, you told me, I remember it was one summer we were talking. Um, it was me, you and, and, our, and our boy Boyce. And we were talking and you said, say yes to opportunities. You told me to say yes to, to everything mm. within reason. You know, obviously, you know, somebody's like, hey, you want to get a drink out back in this alley? I'll probably I'll probably want to say no to that because that might be <laughs> that might be a little suspect. But, you know, you said say say yes to everything, you know, and and that opened up a lot of opportunities because part of what was able to, to help me get the job wasn't just my research experience. It was also the fact that I knew the space. You know what I mean? I knew people in the industry. I knew people. I knew how how to to talk to people. I knew the structure of 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 the industry. You know what I'm saying? And also, I knew you, which is hilarious because, you know, Craig, our boy, Craig, you know, your your laugh twin. Uh, Laugh twin. I love you, Craig. (laughs) Shout outs to Craig. I love Uh, love you, son. Shout outs to your boy, Craig. Um, You know, he actually was like, hey, man, do you know this uh, this dude? He does podcasts and content creation. Uh, you know, he he's he kind of has a similar laugh to me. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I've got a little bit more hair, but uh, you know, we're <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like I've got a little God. bit more hair, but we're the same in that respect. And I'm like, I need a little bit more details in that, man. He's like, you know, he's you know, he's uh, you know, of of color. Like he was being around the bus. I'm like, see, you just you got to give me some structure here. I'm like narrow it down to something where I can figure out who you're talking about. And then I was like, you mean Khalif? He's like, yeah, Khalif Adams. Like, exactly. And like, we knew the same cats. Like, and that's, that was one of the things Like, you give me the cosign without actually even being there. It was the Ka cosign, man. And then you came by the next day, you came by the booth and you were like, yo, this guy right here, you he mad good. You got to hire him. I was like, damn, Ka's holding out, man. I mean, holding I, it I, up, I man. mean, one of the, one of the small things I think is like my, you know, overall purpose in the time that I have left on this planet and in yeah, you said you, do, you got something to tell me. You said the time I've left on this planet. Damn you! Yes. I mean, I had some Indian food the other night too. Man. I don't know if I'm gonna make it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna need all the Wakandas and all the Forevers to be able to get through Woo! all the stuff that I had. Bubblegut <laughs> team. Uh, <laughs> that's gonna be the new BGB. Bubble Guts is back. Um, but it's but it's one of those things of like I, I believe that it's like your job as a person who's kind of gotten a space in the in in the room. To be able to like look out for cats who are doing the work and trying to bust their behinds and, and make cool stuff and, for and, sure. and open up any doors that you possibly can. And I'm happy to have been able to, to link you up with those cats. And I'm happy that they, they, they took you in because I love you. I love them. It's, it's, it's an easy, easy connect. So um, uh, one of the things that I'm really curious about has been now that you've been doing the work with Able, with Able Gamers, mm-hmm. you know, what has been some of the kind of you know, you have an idea of what the work will look like when you're kind of on the outside looking in. Sure. What has that changed or has has it looked different or, you know, you know, what has been your experience so far with kind of digging into the actual work and, and working with um, members of the disabled community? Man, I mean, I will say this, man, like going into the situation, like I, I've had people um, with disabilities in my life that, you know, were close to me um, that served as like as mentors to me in many ways. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I said I have a background working with uh, schizophrenia uh, diagnosed uh, people out there uh, in New York City. So, like, I had a perception of, like, mental wellness and mental health. Um, but 
working at Able Gamers, you know, and by the way, like if you're not familiar with what Able Gamers does, um, we're a charity that, uh, you know, helps to make uh, video games more accessible for players with disabilities um, because games have so many benefits that we all know. Everybody here in this community knows, uh, you know, games have the ability to improve your, your well-being. They have the ability to help you forge lifelong relationships like the one me and Ka, you know, formed, um, you know, sometimes even like, you know, relationships, you know, that create a significant other in your life. Um, games also help with, you know, just socializing, right? Not being able to, some players with disabilities, they may not be able to leave their house and games allow them to, to connect on, on another, another level they wouldn't be able to connect to, um, you know, connect with. And, you know, with working with able gamers, um, I really wasn't that informed about the etiquette around the community, right? Because right, right. there's a certain thing, there's certain things that you have to understand. Like, for example, me saying the term people with disabilities or players with disabilities, right? Versus disabled players, right? There's a whole discussion around that in the community about, you know, identity first, right? Should it be mm. disabled person or person with a disability? And right. it's a toss up. You'll find different people who say different things. And I had to understand that nuance when I walked into the situation. And a lot of it was just learning. A lot of it was just listening. A lot of it was just being able to absorb and understand. And, and that's something important that I think we want to bring up, right? Which is, I don't, I don't, I haven't been diagnosed with, nor do I identify as having a disability, right? So the way I look at me coming into this community and trying to help out and trying to, to, you know, work with, with game developers to, to increase their awareness about, uh, what's out there in terms of, uh, disabled players. Cause we got a whole research group full of disabled players called player panels where we basically garner research and information from them so that we can subsequently, uh, use that to create more, uh, accessible, um, approaches to gaming, right? It's, it's mm. working with the community. Right. To see what their needs are. It's working with people who may be ignorant to the needs of the community and helping them understand that it's it's a whole lot in one in one like, you know, bundle. So a lot of it had had me just sitting there and listening and understanding. And for me being outside of the community, it's important that I listen versus try to lead the conversation. So, like, for example, right, you know, in the black community. Right. Like that's 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 kind of how I, you know, create some some uh experiences that i can equivocate in right the black community if a white dude came into a room full of black people right if a white room came if a white guy came into a room full of black people and was like this is what y'all need to do to get y'all people in order <laughs> we'd be like excuse me like it would be like record scratch like we need to talk about this right pardon me ben carson what are you doing here <laughs> you know it'd be something like that right we'd have to to hold the we'd have to be like hold the phone and for me like coming into this community, I had to be like, hold up. I need to stop and listen to see what people are saying and not really talk about my experience. And mm. it's a, it's the difference between, you know, having a seat at the dinner table versus carving a turkey versus leading the, the dinner time prayer. You know, like I'm a passenger in the car, but I'm not the driver. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because oftentimes if you're, if you're from outside the community and you try to come into a community, right? And you try to dictate what that community should do. It'd be like if you hopped in a cab and I'm like, yo, I need to go to, to Queens and a taxi driver took you to, to, to Brooklyn. And you're like, OK, you took me to a place in New York, but you didn't take me to the right destination. Right. You didn't take me to where I needed to go. And for me, I'm like, I can't be the driver for 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 this conversation because I don't know where they're trying to go. And I don't want to take mm. them to the wrong place. I don't want to take them to a place where they don't want to be. So for me personally, it's a lot of listening and it's a lot of, of trying to understand it every day. That's the everyday process. It's not like, you know, I've, I've been with Able Gamers for, you know, almost a year and a half now. It's not like, you know, I'm like, hey, I want accessible accessibility, you know, full time specialist. I know everything about the disabled community. Like it, it's, it's not it's not like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm out here learning and it's a constant, constant process. And that also means learning with the times, right? That means changing with the times. Sometimes, even in that short span, I've seen people's approaches to game accessibility change. I've seen people's uh, mindset around how, uh, you know, they're discussed, how the, the community is discussed, uh, you know, in the gaming space. I've seen that change. You know what I mean? It's the difference between, you know, saying, you know, of identifying as being of color or, or identifying as saying, oh, I'm colored, right? Like there's a previous past generation where it was like colored was the way we were referred to. Now that's not the, that's not the, uh, the status quo. You right? speak for yourself, sir. 
that's not the I best. Don't mi- I, don't, I don't mind being called colored. I mean, man, brother, man. if that's what no, you want to do, man, that's all you, man. But, you know, <laughs> if somebody calls me color, man, I'm whipping. I'm pulling off the belt and we going hand. We going pulling up the boxing gloves. We going toe-to-toe. You going one-on-one with the great ones, son. It's not It's not happening like that, man. Imagine Imagine if that was the hill that I decided to die on and no one called me on. I'll tell you right That'll now, be- you'd be dying alone because... <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like six months later your wife was like yeah what happened to that guy i used to live with where, where is oh, he man that colored guy was so fun he was, he was so, so funny <laughs> brought so much flavor he brought some good chicken every so often that was man that guy was nice <laughs> man he used to listen to that music what was that called hippity hop that was some real good stuff oh right my there god i'm I sorry mean, i cut you off for, for a dumb joke i'm sorry no you're good man i mean that's pretty much what i was gonna say and and it's really something that uh is a learning curve it's a constant iteration it's a constant process of trying to figure all that out man you know yeah, so i think that's go ahead i'm sorry i cut you no, off. I cut no you're good time. man you're good man I, I was really about to say so you know i'm learning every day man it's really what it comes down to one of the coolest things that that i've actually been able to kind of witness in real time is that learning process and i feel like yeah. it's been helpful to me especially as a person who's not of that community or in that community but is trying to advocate and, tr- and trying to you know spotlight and, and and showcase the wonderfulness that happens in those in those communities for sure learning learning just how uh language can be used in both good and negative ways has been one of the biggest learning lessons that I've been able to kind of pull in. Oh yeah. What what do you feel like Able Gamers is doing directly to help not necessarily just pull in from the community and then um, disseminate that information to folks who may not know. Yeah. But do you feel like Able Gamers itself is helping to kind of um change the way that we're thinking about specifically not just language, but you know, how that language translates into the way that we play the games that we play and how we are are moving uh, forward in terms of you know physical verbal uh, uh communication through the devices that we use and, and play with sure i mean we do you know in terms of in terms of, of spreading the word and, and taking what we figure out and what we learn and disseminating that uh into the space i mean we do that in a number of ways you know let you know let me start with you know the arena i work in we work in the i work in the research arena so as i said player panels is you know, uh, something that that kind of kind of grew into to, to a, a research group that we didn't even know could be possible. Like right now, we're sitting on 500, you know, plus players with disabilities who are out here contributing uh, to the research sphere, uh, contributing to our understanding of uh, the options and access assistive tech that they use in in gameplay. Right? They're also working directly with developers. Like that's one thing that Player Panels does. It connects developers with the this community with this this research pool, so that they can garner information to help improve their games. And our players have worked with a number of developers already um, to improve the accessibility in games. Um, and on that front, we write, you know, we've written papers, right? We're publishing papers that introduce the terminology, um, you know, to the community, to the larger community. We introduce um, the idea of, for example, accessible player experiences. Like that's something that that we work to form. It's called APX, right? And what APX is, is it's uh, a design thinking tool that allows you to develop in an accessible way at the front end of your game development process versus at or at the back end rather than the front end. So right now, the current uh, status quo is to do things on a checklist base, you know? So like mm. you come into the situation, and you're like, All right, I've developed my game. Now let me go to the checklist. The problem with that is, you know, it's like going to the supermarket without a shopping list. Then you get to the register and you're like, all right, I'm ready to purchase stuff. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, here's your shopping list. And you look at the list mm. and you're like, wow, I got none of these things that I was supposed to pick up. Now I got to <laughs> go back through this line. I got to bug mad people. I got to push and shove, get my stuff and get back. And from a development process, right, from a game development process, that's a waste of time. Like, that's a waste of time. It's a waste of resources. Right. Ain't nobody trying to do that. So, you know, accessible player experience is something that we've developed. It's available um, on accessible.games. It's a website that, you know, we started um, to help form that design language around accessible design. Um, and that's something, for example, that we've introduced to game developers and a number of game studios have have bought into it. You know what I mean? A number of game studios have have bought the, the card decks that we formed around it because we formed these little flashcards to help people understand. Um, and each one of the uh, design patterns within APX, right? It's 22 design patterns that sort of go into, uh, you know, uh, problem solution formats, right? So the problem might be somebody can't take in the information from the primary modality through which you're trying to provide it. Like, for example, if you have a game that's only voice acted, right? And have no mm. subtitles or captioning, somebody who is, you know, deaf 
or low of low hearing may not be able to perceive what the characters are saying in the cutscenes, right? So subtitles is a modality in which you can sort of help someone hear something or perceive something um, other than the way that you provide it as your primary way. So that's a design pattern we call second channel. That's one of 22 mm. of them. Um, and that's one way that we've sort of tried to, to change it on the developer side. So developers ha now have a tool that they can use as they're developing their game to create more accessible experiences, right? You have the community side of things. Like that's where my boy Craigums comes in, right? Craig is constantly working, right, to, for example, get streamers to fundraise and share the mission of Able Gamers with their communities, right? And what that does is it creates ambassadors. It creates people out there, you know, in the world that are able to be like, oh, okay, I see there's a whole group of people out here that really can't join in this real dope experience that I have, right? You know, we have our dude Kelso, shout out to my man Kelso. He's running a Twitch stream right now on the Able Gamers channel where players with disabilities are streaming, Right. So we're creating we're helping to, to create a platform for, you know, content creators who identify as having a disability so that they mm. can they can be showcased in a way that they feel comfortable with and talk about their personal experiences through gameplay and connect with the community directly in that way. You know, so, you know, we're also going out to events, doing talks, you know, in, in the year that, I, you know, in the last year, like I've been I've had the opportunity, the pleasure to be at talks, man, to like actually talk. Like people are listening to me talk about stuff. I'm like, man. <laughs> Before I had a podcast and I was trying to get people to listen to me and they wouldn't even give me a retweet. I'm like, y'all sitting in chairs right now, listen to everything I got to say and one. I was like, plus one for me. It's dope. But, you know, we're doing a number of things in that respect to try and improve awareness in the community and change the dialogue around the community. Right. Like, because there's this whole adage, for example, you saw that with the Sekiro, the Sekiro uh, conversation, man, where it was just oh, like. Yeah. You know, easy mode, right? And like, I'm not necessarily a proponent of easy mode, but something that access that APX, you know, kind of jumps into, you know, the idea of accessible player experiences is that someone is allowed to tailor the game to what they need, right? Like, easy mm -hmm. mode to me isn't really tailoring because it's a bunch of hidden hidden settings behind a word easy, right? That the developer yeah. has hidden those settings. You don't know what those easy is relative. Easy could be, you know, the, maybe the combat is is a little less challenging. Maybe enemies don't move as fast. It could also mean enemies die quicker. They have lower health. Maybe you're stronger. It you can't put your finger on it. So you got games right. like you know Tomb Raider, for example, that give you sliders that allow you to to adjust different aspects of the game to prioritize the very thing that you want to be challenging or not challenging, right? Like combat is something that you can adjust. Like, am I going to be stronger? Am I going to be weaker? Are the enemies going to be stronger? The enemies going to be weaker. Um, right. So things like that, like that whole debate arose out of the conversation around people saying this game is this game is hard for me. I can't play this game, whether it be, you know, for a disability or not. But right. the idea is, why shouldn't people have be able to have access to your game? Why shouldn't people mm -hmm. be able to, to come in and form the experiences they want to form? You know, as a yeah. game developer, I would think that that's the primary thing, right? You do want people to play within your vision, but you do want people to form their own experiences within your vision, right? Like you do want them to be able to, to, to form their own adventures within the vision you've established. So, yeah. you know, it's it's a tough conversation to have, but, you know, that's that's kind of what we're trying to do. We're trying to have those conversations so that we can open up the floor for discourse. Yeah. And it feels like one of the and I, and I love the point that you put in there about, you know, players wanting to, again, like be a part of all these different experiences. And it yeah. feels like it's just is this really interesting and kind of weird scenario where you have the, the gatekeeping folks who are like yo i want my game to be as hard as possible and i don't want anybody else who can't play it at the same level that i'm playing it at to not get the experience when you also have developers who are kind of also kind of jumping into that pool and saying well you know we have this experience and it can only kind of be this way and we only really want it to be this way and i'm just like you are leaving so much just on a fundamental basis you're leaving so much money on the table and ability for advocacy for folks who are in your community who want to evangelize your game you're botching this super super hard and you don't understand how bad you're doing it yeah it, I is, mean, it is really crazy to see how that how that works if you look at you know the disability community like and you look at the the statistics around it like they have more money and expendable income combined than both the black and his, hispanic community combined like they have mm -hmm. more than both of those communities combined. Yep. Like, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous amount of money on the table that you're leaving on the table. Like, at the yep. end of the day, like, I'm not trying to say that, you know, game developers are only money-centric, but at the end of the day, we know there's a practical business mentality behind game development, right? Like, you need right. money to make games, right? You know, right. like, you can, say, you can be artiste, 
for all the live alone day, you know, if you're painting, right, you can paint, you know, and you could, you know, do something like that. And, you know, it's just you buying paint and that's costly. But you're talking about game yeah. development here. You're talking about millions and millions of dollars, man. Like that's not, yeah. that's not something you can just scoff at. And that, you know, ties into like why we're trying to make, why we're trying to make people more aware. Cause we're like, listen, this is also a people reason, right? This is also something where we're trying to get people to have an experience they're not normally normally able to have. But it's also mm. about, yo, like, we trying to put money in your pockets at the same time. Like, like you do this, it's not like you're not going to get any benefit out of this. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get some some guap to spend. You know what I mean? You're going to get some some money to keep your studio afloat, to hire more people to improve, you know, uh, what you're trying to do with your studio. Right. So We're going to take a quick break, two minutes break. We're going to get some water. Greg is killing it right now. I am man. so excited and so happy right now. Man, we, we chilling, man. Greg we Haynes chilling. from Able Gamers rocking with us on Spawn on Me. Take a minute, take a second to hang out. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back, everybody, to the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. Shout out to everybody who hung with us from the break. Uh, we are chilling with my man, Greg Haynes, a.k.a. Hazy Rome from Able Gamers. Shout out to that man doing his thing thing. Thank you. Yo, one of the things that we didn't get a chance to talk about before the break was there has been a huge, huge, huge controversy about the newest Overwatch character, Sigma, because of the way that he has been brought into the lore so if you are not familiar with this new character this new character uh is this scientist who seems to have gone mad um and one of the things that people noticed specifically about him was that he wasn't wearing shoes and the fact that most of the characters in the game have footwear they're wearing things on their feet and it was really weird to see this one character just floating around all the time with no with no with no footwear on so people are like so what's the lore around this and why is this a thing that we should care about so they asked the the, the uh the, the folks who are making the game they asked the developers like what the heck is this and they came out with this story about how sigma was a character who was locked up in a mental institution he was in an asylum and the ideas around uh folks harming themselves uh, by maybe using their laces to, you know, either, you know, strangle themselves or something like to that, to that effect or strangle someone else yeah. is the reason why he doesn't have shoes. And that's the reason why they, they added that, which added a whole other layer of yuck to the conversation around the character. Because as we know, the stigma around mental illness is, is super real and is sure. felt by millions of people every day. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring Greg on the show this week was because he had a fantastic thread that talked about, you know, the reasons why this wasn't dope and why this was a thing that we should be talking about in and correcting the folks over at Blizzard. And I wanted to give Greg a little bit of time to talk about, you know, your thoughts about what you saw when they kind of gave their explanation for what Sigma was supposed to be and and, and share a little bit of the thoughts you shared on Twitter mm. this past week about, about the character. Yeah, I mean, uh, here's the thing, right? Like, I want to I want to set the tone for the conversation, right? So mm -hmm. first of all, we you know we got this thing, and, and Kyle, you and I have talked about it. We got cancel culture running rampant right now, and like, right, right. I don't want this to be a situation where I'm getting at anybody on on the Overwatch side of things, you know. And to be fair, it was one character artist that made this comment. I'm not even gonna say the name because I don't I don't want it to become a situation where everyone jumps on the bandwagon and come at somebody because sure. we, we're at a point in our in our socio political uh, culture where we need to be able to have conversations where it's someone disagreeing, but not necessarily condemning someone to, you know, the, the hellfire of social media or Twitter, uh, you know, uh, or, or, or Facebook, whatever, whatever social media platform you're talking about, of the hellfire of that community, right, of mm -hmm. the people in those communities. So, you know, when we talk about this, like, I want to set a tone where I love Overwatch, man. Like, that's something that, like, literally my family bonds around Overwatch. Like, I play Overwatch with my sisters, my brother-in-law, a number of people within the org. You know, able gamers, we play Overwatch. Like it's a it's a game that we love. 
Um, and also, like, not for nothing, like, my opinion is my opinion about about the situation. This isn't like able sure. gamers. This is me talking. So, right. you know, when when I saw that, it's not so much I have a problem with the fact that he's barefoot per, per se. It was the fact that the, the specific words were that he was barefoot in order to sell the asylum look. Hmm. And I'm like, that's the point where, you know, asylum sort of becomes like an aesthetic, right? Like mental health is an aesthetic, right? You got to sell me on this character's, you know, a mental state by not giving him shoes. You know, like, let me give you an example that may be a little extreme. It's admittedly extreme, right? But I, I, I want to put this out here because it gets you in the frame of mind that you got to think about in order to, to attack something like this. Not attack, but discuss something like this. Right, um, right, right. So if we were creating a game, right, and it featured... A former slave, right? Dude's name is Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. Let's throw out a name. Ezekiel. Former slave, right? Video game character. <laughs> My man Ezekiel, right? They're like, well, he's a former slave. He's a runaway slave, right? Ran away from the South. He's in the North now. We really want to sell the slave look. So in the game, he's going to be wearing shackles. How would that come off? Depends. Like, like Yeezy shackles? Brother. You better, I'm man. Sorry. You gotta get your man. I apologize if they were if they were Yeezy shackles. Then I don't know. I can't say. I can't. Call shackles it. are shackles, brother. Shackles you know are shackles. Saying? Yeezy shackles Shack- myself, bro. Listen, you about to die on another hill right now by yourself. <laughs> All right, that's two times. We counting now. There's a car kill count right in the corner of the screen right now, man. Ye- uh, I'm gonna yeet. Oh, I said this. Yeet. Easy shackles. Yeezy shackles. I'm the, I'm done with the chat. I'm not talking to nobody out there. Jordan branded shackles. Oh my goodness! Don't even, don't even talk to me. I, I'm not even looking at the chat anymore. We done with y'all. <laughs> I'm know, sorry. I'm sorry. I keep, I keep, I keep, I keep, I keep railroading your actual dope thought. No, nah, I mean it, 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 it's a funny. I listen. It's unintentionally funny when I bring it up, but like when you when I brought it up, y'all all just said, "Oh, like that's not." It was like, "And I oop," like that meme that you see out there. Like it's like, "And I oop," like that's not something we want to talk about. You know, so like that's an extreme version. That's an extreme version of the story because like there's a whole history to slavery. But what I'm trying to get to the get to is there in order to for there to have been a history of slavery, we had to come from those, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years and realize like this thing is wrong. And right. to, you know, to use things that invoke that time in a way that's insensitive to the people who are sensitive about that time is mm-hmm. low key disrespectful. Now, we have to develop a culture around how we perceive things like mental health, right? So, so the idea that there's an asylum look, right, it almost cheapens the idea of, of mental health for people, like the, the seriousness, the impact of it, right? So for someone who has been in an asylum, for example, there are a number of people, I'll give you an example, right, in the schizophrenia population. There are a number of people in that population, you would never know they have schizophrenia. You would never know mm. the experiences that they're having. You would never know the trouble they had finding medication, finding treatment, finding people to accept them for, you know, who they are, uh, creating uh, valuable relationships from a, 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 you know, interpersonal standpoint. There's a number of, of issues, financial issues. And when you use the term, you know, asylum, right, it evokes a number of things for that demographic of people, right? For with an, an asylum, with an inpatient unit, fear can come into the play. Anxiety can come into play. Uh, you know, uh, anger could come into play. Like there's some people who, you know, had to be put into, put into, you know, a facility so that they could, you know, be better cared for. And that necessarily wasn't something that they wanted to do. It could represent, right. you know, a number of negative emotions that are, you know, something that they live with. It's a reality for them. It is every day for them. And to, to say that you're trying to sell the asylum, asylum look, you know, it kind of, it kind of cheapens that experience. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you look at a game like Overwatch that has a really, a really thick lore, right? Like it, it, it has some really, you know, great uh, stories there with their characters have told, you know, via YouTube series, via comic book series, via, you know, graphic novels or things along those lines, more or less. Right. Um, and you look at the fact that, you know, him having not having shoes is the way you can sell. You're trying to sell that asylum. Look, you know, try to sell the fact that, you know, he had a mental health uh, you know, disorder is kind of kind of cheapens that 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 way of telling stories, right? And you also look at the fact that let's take a character from another game. Look at Apex Legends, right? Let's look at your mm-hmm. man Caustic, right? You listen, to, we we joke about Caustic when we play Apex, <laughs> man. My man is saying stuff like, you know, 
Oh, the blood of my enemies. It's what I long for. Like he's saying like weird stuff where you're like, oh, this guy is extra edgelord. You know what I mean? But when you look at it, you're also able to discern. Like if you really think about Caustic, you're also able to be like, well, this guy, you know, has some sociopathic tendencies. You're able to abstract, you know, the issues he might have uh, in his personal life or, you know, the disorders he might be dealing with in his personal life and extract that from those things that he's saying. You know what I'm saying? So like you're able to sort of garner information about him through those voice lines, you know, and you could easily do that with the character like Sigma without having to say that you're suddenly asylum. Look, now I'm not saying he shouldn't be barefoot per se, but I'm saying it's a matter of how you converse around the topic of him being barefoot, right? Like we can't Mm -hmm. be sitting here saying something like, oh, I'm trying to sell the slavery look, right? I'm trying to sell the former slave look, right? That's... That's that's out of line. You know what I mean? That like that's something where we need to start changing the narrative about how we talk about these things. You know, there are a number of ways where you could talk about his mental wellness, right? That's one side of it. Then the other right. side is the the sort of stereotyping of people who have not even just mental health uh disorders, but disabilities in general, stereotyping them as villains. Right? That's a huge yep. problem in our culture where if somebody has a missing eye, if they're wearing an eye patch. If they got a hook, if they have, you know, an amputated leg, they're portrayed as some sort of villainous character. And that creates an aura around, uh, you know, the disability community of, you know, villainy and debauchery and being essentially lacking the values of, you know, these the standard, uh, you know, per occupant of planet Earth. Right. And we, we we sort of have this. This negativity that's developing around the culture and it, we're unable to restrain or control that. So we have to start reining that in. Like characters like in, in Watch Dogs 2, I believe his name was, was Josh, if I'm not mistaken. Right. He's a character who works with the team. You know, he's on the autistic spectrum and he works with the team and he's a cool guy. He's a nice guy. And it's just his disability doesn't define, you know, the the, the his motives, per se. But it is part of his characterization and it does inform some of the things he does. But he's not like, I'm doing this because of my disability and we need to write this right this wrong. Like it's it's I'm very much this person. I love who I am, but I'm also trying to do these other things to benefit my life. And we have this thing in our in our culture where it's like you have a disability and, you know, it, it causes you to want to, to wanna burn the world. And I'm like, we yeah. kind of have to put a hold on that. We kind of have to put a pause on that and really start thinking about how we're having these conversations, engaging in these conversations. So I, I don't have a problem with Sigma per se, but mm-hmm. you know, that's just me. Again, let's go back to the fact that I don't identify as having a disability either. So you think yeah. about somebody who is, is has maybe had a relative who's lived, you know, in an asylum or have been in an asylum, or someone who's even been in an asylum themselves, hearing that could be triggering, could be disrespectful for them. And we have yeah. to start start thinking about those things because at the end of the day, like these experiences that these people are having, like while they're playing your games, it's important that they're able to jump into your game and not have to think about some of the personal things that they may be conflicted with when they're playing your game. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying they should never think about their personal lives, but you don't want someone to feel offended by the character you're trying to represent. So that's kind of yeah. that's kind of my, my, my summation of all that. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, man. I mean, it, w- it was one of those things that, again, like I I'm always trying to move in a way that is empathetic sure and i feel like if you move from a humbled experience of being empathetic of knowing that you your experiences are not like those of other people as a baseline then you get the ability to kind of look at situations and say well at first glance this thing might not have been a thing that might have sparked that kind of feeling within me but i can understand why now after it being explained by dope folks like you and other folks that we have in the community to say, well, oh, this is the reason why this is a problem right. and I should be taking and paying a, t- a little bit more attention to, you know, the reasons why. And then, you know, if you're a curious or inquisitive person, then you will go back and kind of think about the extra steps of, you know, where you go from there to figure out, you know, all the other touch points that connect to that. Right. It makes me think about, you know, not just Sigma in that way. And I'm happy that you brought up Apex Legends because when Octane came out, the conversations around, around that character being a double amputee were really um, pretty uh, impressive in the way that the both the the dev team looked at that particular yeah. character. Although I have a small a small thing about him that I find a little bit um, not worrisome, but it's it's 
it feels like that By same means, kind of t- do tell. I mean, it feels like that same conversation about like once you have a person with a disability in a game, they wind up being a part of the, the villain squad, right? Like right. we saw with uh, a fantastic piece of writing from Chris Plant over at Polygon when he talked about the characters in Rage Two having cleft palates, yeah, and then how those characters yeah. have how then were you know made to be these kind of not villainous, but they were kind of there to be laughed at and right. to be kind of the butt of a joke. Right. And Octane's thing, um, I like the character design. I think it's really dope that they, they made him a W amputee. It just feels like the fact that he is so extra. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, you know like, what I mean? He's like, like a wacky type hijinks character. And it's yeah, like, oh, and it's you know, like, I'm silly and fun. And, you know, it's refreshing to have that, I think, too. Yeah. But I see where you're, I see your, where you're going with that. And, yeah, and that's the thing. It's, like, a it's, tough, sword. It's, it's a double-edged sword. And it's tough to have these conversations. And that's why it's really, really important that as a game developer that you bring the people that you're trying to represent into mm. the conversation. Bring them into your studios. Talk to them. Get that consultation. Get that. Get that. That uh, opinion. Because oftentimes we're like, "Well, I think that's fine." It's like, okay, it, is, <laughs> does that pertain to you? Like, is this something you have to to deal with? Is this something you have to live with? And again, I'm not faulting any game developers about in that respect, but we have to get to the point where we're actually including people. And again, like that's another thing that that able gamers advocates: hire people with disabilities, talk to people with disabilities, bring them into your com- communities. Let them be a part of the discourse. Give them the platform. Let them talk, and more importantly, listen. Let them let them say their piece. Let them speak their truth and listen to it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you won't have these problems where it's like, I right, you know we're trying to sell an asylum look. Why are you trying to sell me with him being barefoot? Right. Like right, sell right. me sell me on the character with the the backstory you give him. Sell me on the character with the stories he's telling. We also have an issue in our culture where. We're out here, you know, right now there are scientists that are being discredited for saying shit that we know is real, like global warming. Like we know global warming freaking exists. And we're yep. in our culture right now. We got we out here. We got literally a group of people that are like, oh, these people are crazy. Like, these people are out of their mind. <laughs> and Sigma, you know, is a scientist who's going crazy. And it's just like that mad scientist trope. Like we kind of don't need that right now <laughs> in our society. Yeah, I know. We need to start taking our scientists a little bit seriously so we can actually start doing something about the things that are problematic right now. You know, because we're about to let, just let our, our world burn. You know what I'm saying? It's real nice to be to it's real nice to be in New York and you know get a, a sixty degree sixty degree you know winter day. But you know, I was in New York the other day and it was like 187 degrees. Like I lost, I was sweating so much. I lost like 16 pounds when I was in New York last week. Like I was like, bro, it's it's hot. This global warming thing is legit. Greenhouse gases and all that. It's not a joke. It's not a game. We I mean, take fam, stuff seriously. I- I just saw a video on Twitter where they, they had this woman who was a legislator in some part of the country talking about from from her office in her city council <laughs> talking about, yeah, so we need everybody to go to church and we need to know that everything that, that the earth is 6,000 years old. And I was like, there's, no, there's nothing I can do. Like people elected that person to, to sit in an office and do do the governance that they're supposed to do for their local for their local stuff so like yeah, i'm not gonna hate on religious from arizona i'm not gonna hate on religious preferences right but like you know versus you know you know <laughs> you go to church and learn that the earth is six thousand years old but is that really contributing to the current way you go about your life the current status quo i don't give a damn how old the earth is i'll be honest with you i really could care less i just know what the <laughs> earth is going through right now and we need to fix it <laughs> Fast, yeah, fast, it's, it's, bro. It's madness. We it's need to madness. Fix it. But to, but to to divert <laughs> to divert from that conversation because that could be a whole other hour oh, of conversation. You damn right. <laughs> oh my goodness. What what's one of the what's one of the biggest needs right now or concerns or um you know requests that you hear from various factions of the disabled community when it comes to what they're not seeing in games as, as things that they actually need. Cause I know there was a huge push with all of you with the Xbox adaptive controller. So that, yeah. that fit a need that was there for, you know, uh, physical input for, for certain vi- parts of games. But what's some of the things that you hear from the community as being the things that are top of list right now? I mean, the first thing is options in your games, right? Like being able to tell the experience, like I talked about earlier, like right now, you know, we're starting to see the industry really open up. 
and and start to to include other options um, that are allowing people to that are facilitating the ability to to create your own experiences, right? But the problem is we don't see consistency across the space, right? Like we right. see certain games, you know, will will introduce a feature that allows you to change your contrasting, right, or adjust multiple uh, you know levels of your audio, right, which can be important to somebody who maybe has a a hearing based uh, disability. But then you see another game that will literally just have one slider that's like sound, right? Versus another game that has, you know, back, you know, uh, sound effects, music, uh, uh, voice lines, right? And, and allows you to adjust it on those levels, right? You know, or having surround sound versus, you know, mono, you know, or something like that. And right now we're, we're not seeing consistency across, uh, the option space. And mm. that's why, that's why we developed that, that design thinking, that accessible design thinking too, I talked about earlier so that we can get, a way of, of thinking and more importantly, a language that developers can use to talk about things um, in order to develop in a more accessible way. So like going back to that modality example where there's a primary modality through which you're, you know, giving people uh, the information you're providing in the game, right? So let's go back to cutscenes, right? Allowing developers to look at that cutscene and be like, there's no subtitles, there's no captions. What is the problem here? I've only I've only given one modality through which this person can understand it. They need mm. a second channel to be able to understand the information I'm putting out there, right? So we're trying to give them a, a language so that they can talk about these things. It's it's incredibly difficult to talk about a problem that a bunch of people are having if you're unable to surmise what that problem is or summarize what that problem is, right? Like mm. you could you could be in a crowd and everybody's saying you know different things like, man, I feel uncomfortable in here. Man, I'm sweating. Man, it, 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 man, it feels tight in here. Like, I don't have any space. You know, it feels, the air feels kind of thick in here. And you're like, okay, what's the problem? It's hot. <laughs> like, you can, so, you can summarize what the problem is based on what they're saying. You're like, oh, it's hot in here. So you're like, all right, now I can do something about the heat. I can look into a fan. I can look into an AC. I can open the windows. You know, I can blow on people's faces, maybe cool them down. You know what I mean? Like, there are a number of ways you can think about it now that you have a term that allows you to, to solve the problem. So right now, you know, in terms of consistency of, of options, that's a huge problem. We're also seeing a problem in the VR space where, and this is something that, you know, as part of the research team, like this is something that we're trying to look into and, and understand. Because obviously with, with VR and AR and XR, if you want to use that term um, as an all-encompassing term for, for, for VR and AR, right now we're seeing, a, we're seeing a barrier there where, first of all, VR, AR requires a lot of mobility, right? So if you have dexterity, a disability that affects your dexterity, VR is inaccessible to you, right? Yeah. VR, AR is also very visual, right? So, like, right now you need, like, sound and things like that, that to help improve that experience to allow people to be able to have, to perceive an environment, a virtual environment, even if they can't see or if they they have, you know, visual uh, disabilities. So, VR is an issue that I'm, I'm hearing, you know, from the community in that respect. I mean, there are a number of issues that I hear, and it's it's <laughs> it's tough to, to sort of summarize all of them, but, you know... You know, another problem I'd see, I'd say is out there is representation, right? Like we talked about that a little bit earlier where like how many games can you name in the past five years that have had, you know, a, a person with a disability? Like I mean, we have that same I, problem in, in, in the uh, the PLC community, right? Where I can't just, remember like, any ones that have been on the front of the box either, except for maybe the surge. But that's not even really... I don't even think that counts really, but that's a good point. That's such a good point. You know, we're not, we're not having these characters represented in a way that allows people to understand that there's people living with these things and they're able to, to, you know, live a life with these disabilities. And that, that's the first step to getting people to understand somebody else's experience. You know what I mean? That's the first step. And we have to be careful about that though. We have to be careful about just saying, I'm going to write a character who has a disability in my game. Like, Okay, right. did you talk to somebody who has a disability, who has a disability that you're trying to represent? That's another problem, right? Like, you know, if you, you could talk to somebody who has, you know, a disability and hopefully they can inform your process. But like, for example, going back to the character in Watch Dogs, did you talk to anybody who has, you know, who's on the autistic spectrum? Or did you talk to somebody who's double amputee? Right? It's like they can mm. inform you about certain things to be sensitive about, but they can't uh, they can't hit you with that person's uh, experience. You know what I'm saying? They can't hit you with that person's exact experience. You know, yeah. uh, you know, there are games like, for example, uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, where where the character, where Big Boss, Venom Snake, had an arm. But there's also this period where my man learns to use that arm in like two seconds. 
Mm, like you're never you're never exposed to the experience of like he tries to grab the bottle at the beginning of the game and he has a little trouble with that but that's pretty much all you get my man is rocket punching the shit out of people you know two seconds later you know what i'm saying like <laughs> you, you know what i mean like having someone you know deal with 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 that and and show that that sort of growth that maturation uh as they try to to, to live with their new normal is important for that so there are a number of things in that respect from a representation standpoint that I'm probably not even the best person to talk about, you know, talk to mm. about. I'm really, I'm really articulating what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing. And that's really yeah. what my role is, is not, I'm not speaking for the community. I'm not articulating for the community. I'm, I'm here to say, give the microphone to them. That's my job. My job is to say, all right, I would like to expand the platform that they have. Yeah. And then I go back to my seat and I sit there and I listen and I clap. And I cheer and I see, you know, all these amazing experiences that are happening in the community so that I can just I can just take solace in the fact that this awesome community that I love, this gaming community that I love is growing. And, and every day it's becoming a better place, a more a more tolerant place. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's work that you're doing right now. with spawn on me. And that's work that I'm trying to do as a, as a person of color, as a black man. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to improve that perception for us. And for me, mm. it's it's finding a good fight on multiple fronts. But at the end of the day, like we all stand to benefit from it. Fam, man, that is <laughs> that is literally the most perfect way to end this episode. Man, I, I got to say before I let you go, I love you, fam. It has been just one of my most happiest moments to have seen you grow so much in this space Dang, so quickly tear up on this podcast so, Don't so, do so quickly and and do so much wonderful work with you and the rest of the able gamers folks i love y'all more than you can ever know because you all are doing the work you're doing the stuff on the ground you're making people's abilities and and um uh, uh stories and their their you know their life experiences be known in places that other folks are just not paying attention. And it's really, really great to be able to see all of you push past the beginning stages of everything that's been going on and seeing and hearing all the conversations about some of the wonderful big things that are coming up for you all uh, in the space. So again, Greg, Hazy, fam, I love you. <laughs> uh, it's, dope, it's dope for you to have you on, on the show finally. Um, let the folks oh, at home here, know man. where they can find you, where they can find the work that you're doing and, and, and more of the stuff uh, about your socials and things. Yeah. Uh, first things first, uh, you can follow Able Gamers on Twitter uh, at Able Gamers. Uh, you can also visit our, our website, uh, ablegamers.org. Um, you know, one thing that contributes to helping do what we do is fundraising. Uh, swing by our website, ablegamers.org slash fundraise. Uh, if you're a streamer, we'd love to have you, you know, uh, stream and, and raise raise funds for, for our work, for what we're doing. Um, a, a big part of our mission is that we give uh, controllers to players with disabilities to provide them with the means for them to, to be able to play games, right? Sometimes those controllers are customized. Sometimes we're going into hospitals and, and giving our controllers there and setting up what we call expansion packs where we're creating these huge rooms with, with assistive tech and, and gaming uh, technologies. And we need help in that respect. Um, and you know, some people think about, you know, oh man, I only got a dollar to give. I'm like, yo, we also, we also need things that help us run the organization from an operational standpoint. Like that dollar you gave, that's a pen that I now have to, to take notes on the things that I need to take notes on. Like that's, yeah. that's a serious thing. Like these things add up, they cost money. So any, any help in that respect is, is welcomed. Um, you can find me personally on Twitter at Greg J Hazy. That's Greg G R E G J as in jalopy. And hazy is in H A Z Y. I couldn't think of a J word fast enough. I should have said like Jaguar, but I was like, damn, does anyone even know how to spell jalopy? I don't even know if that's I thought, is that I a thought J you word. Gonna come out of somewhere where it was like, yo, J for jingoism. That's not what we want, but it's a word that starts with a J. <laughs> I'm like, man, I, I just, I really was like, damn, I need a J word. I need a J word. I need a J word. I just, jalopy was the first thing I could came, come up with, man. Somebody spell check me on jalopy. I don't even know if that's a J word, but. <laughs> But but yeah, man, like I'm I'm out here and, and and let me also say, like, you know, I'm planning on returning to the content creation guy game eventually. Um so stay tuned to my Twitter. Um I hope to to announce some new things there. And uh, you know, I, I wanna get back to talking about things. I wanna get back to talking to people like Kyle Leaf and uh, you know, uh just having good conversations around 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 the gaming sphere, man. So yeah, I, I hope I didn't forget anything. Oh, if you're a developer, uh swing by accessible.games. Um there you can find uh, APX, something I talked about earlier. Um, it can really help you uh, design your games in a more accessible way. 
Um, also, if you're a player with disabilities, um, player panels, right? That's the uh, research pool I talked about. You can sign up on that website. You can sign up for player panels. There's an FAQ there. Um, you can sign up, um, join the conversation and join the process of, of increasing awareness um, around the video game space. Um, and if you're a developer interested in working with that player panels group, you can also submit your proposal there as well. So swing by there. Don't criticize anything that's on that. That'd be nice and just have fun. That'd be cool. <laughs> be nice to the Able Gamers crew because yes. they're doing they're doing that work. We try again, everybody. Man. Oh, and shout out to the team: so- Steve, Mark, Chris, Craig, Kelso, Je- Jesse. I love yeah. y'all. I love y'all. Love y'all. Again, thank you so much for rolling through, fam. It's been so dope to have you. Thank everybody you for at home, me, man. I'm happy to be here, bro. Word. Everybody at home, make sure you're checking us out on XRay.FM. Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific time. All podcast platforms, all that goodness right there. Uh, We will be back next week with more dopeness. I'll be at Evo next weekend. Uh, So we may have a couple of episodes dropping with some interviews from the show there. Hopefully the locusts don't kill me. Uh, (laughs) That's crazy. Like, that's the thing I never thought I would say on the podcast. Hopefully the locusts won't kill me. And I wasn't talking about Gears of War. Anyway. Uh, much love to you all at home. Stick around if you're watching us on Twitch. We're going to go raid some wonderful folks. Uh, and everybody else, we say peace. Peace. The Spawn on Me podcast can be found every Tuesday on all podcast platforms and Portland Radio at xray.fm at 107.1 slash 91.1. You can find us live every Thursday on twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me. If you want to reach out to us on the show, you can hit us up on our site, spawnonme.com, where you can find all our social media information about our Twitter, Instagram, and everything else alongside our contact page if you want to reach out and shoot us a message or a business inquiry. Much love to you all. Thank you so much for listening every week. And we say peace.